Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spotlight. My name is Rogan, and I will be your host this evening. If this is your first time checking out Spotlight, this is an offshoot of the Prognotes podcast, where we chat with some incredible artists and musicians in the progressive rock scene. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you to all of the Prognotes patrons for helping these episodes happen. Check out what benefits are of becoming a patron at patreon.com prognotes. Today's special guest is Steve from Bellacore, here to talk to us about their most recent release, Coherence. It's so great to have you on, Steve. Why don't we start with uh, you telling us a bit about yourself? Cool. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so, yeah, I play in the Australian uh, melodic, progressive, melodic uh, death metal band, Bellacore. Um, we've been doing our thing for about 17 years now. So we've got five albums and our most recent one um, is just a few weeks out now. So, yeah, really happy to have a chat with you. Awesome. Well, I'll start us off with a question we've been asking a lot of artists recently. Uh, what was it like writing and or releasing this album over the pandemic? Were there certain challenges that you faced or or doubts in the process? Uh, we were lucky in some ways. The writing and rehearsing and preparing was all done. We were We basically went into the studio in March of 2020 to start recording the album, and that's when the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. So... It did affect us. We had to slow down and take breaks, and it took longer to record the album. But um, in terms of actually being able to meet up as a whole band and work together, um, we felt pretty lucky that we got all that work done before it started because it would have made it a lot harder if it had been a bit different. So it just meant, it meant that I think we were sort of six months later than we wanted to be to actually release the album. But that is a small, you know, in the big picture, that wasn't such a big, big thing we could do with that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well... A lot of black slash death metal seems to be focused on mostly technical chops, but there is a huge emphasis on melodic elements and utilizing like different timbres and moods throughout this album. Uh, how do you approach composing music and incorporating all these different themes and emotions? Uh, I think it's sort of just, it, we tend to do what comes naturally and what we all find exciting as people. So we're not we don't come at it from the perspective of let's analyze this um, from a music theory standpoint or from anything other than what's going to get us excited. Um, and that changes over the years. Like we've had, I think, a broadening of what we listen to and what we want to do musically. And that's had subtle impacts on the, the way our albums sound. But um, you're right in saying melody is the big thing. I think we've always needed to have hummable, memorable melodies that might stick in your mind and give a lot of replay value and we've always tried to have long songs that have multiple parts that again provide a lot of replay value rather than three or four riffs you know verse chorus type approach we've never really done that and I think as we've progressed each album we've probably gone even more in that direction where it's sort of through composed fairly long tracks which I think is what we enjoyed doing the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah I noticed while listening through this that a lot of the the songs, like even though they're like up near the 10 minute length, like it felt like everything sort of sped by so fast because everything's so different and there's like this drive forward in, in most of the tracks. I think that's really important. So as we're working on a new song, if we find ourselves getting bored or like that's a big warning sign. So often there's a, the work that we do is about coming up with the ideas, but then revisiting them and, and trimming them and and thinking about the, the number of times a, year, a listener might hear each riff. 
um, thinking about bringing fresh ideas or fresh ways of presenting the same melodies if they do return. So hopefully that it doesn't really get boring and, and it can hold your attention. And I think when, whenever we do see reaction videos or anything like that, it seems to be that people say, oh, well, that went quickly. Like, even though it was eight to ten minutes, they don't, they seem to feel that mm-hmm. it held their attention and they weren't sort of waiting for it to finish, which is a big thing. All right. Yeah, like one example, uh, the piano in the dispersion like took me completely off guard at first. Just <laughs> that little piano interlude, acoustic piano, and I was like, oh, sweet. Oh, because <laughs> I, I just was not expecting that at all. And it's like a nice little dynamic twist that you added right in between those two songs. Yeah, I think George was big on... So I, I wrote that piece years ago, but we've been looking for a nice place to use it. And George was really keen on the idea of having it be track two after a very long opening track. And I think it worked very nicely as a kind of prelude to what was about to come in Foothold following it. So, yeah, it's those sorts of discussions are the ones we have a lot as a band to be like Mm -hmm. arguing over those little details as in how long or where things will appear and those sorts of things. But I think in the end, we're really happy with how it's come together. Yeah, it sort of gives your brain a little break in a way. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So... This album sounds almost symphonic in nature, like even without a lot of elements outside of your standard like guitar, bass, keys, drum, vocals. Uh, I also noticed a lot of classical guitar on your last album, Vessels, which made me curious what some of your backgrounds in music are. We're we're all actually essentially self-taught or mostly self-taught and not sort of classically, you know, we don't read musical notation, we're not... um, it seems to be more about just what we've enjoyed listening to as people growing up. Um, so when we began, I know that, you know, the obvious choices like Metallica was fairly big of an influence for Sean as our lead guitarist. Um, I think if you listen back to our first album, you can hear quite a bit of Metallica and the solos and those sorts of things. Um, but for us, it was the classic the Gothenburg melodic death metal bands that when we started, um, the Swedish, you know, In Flames, Opeth, sort of those sort of bands that were inspiring us a lot. But I think that's changed quite a bit these days where we don't really draw on that as heavily, but it's still, a, it's oh, it's in our blood now, but it, uh, it's broadened out a touch. But yeah, as long as there's variety, I think you're right, like um, acoustic guitars, pianos, a nice balance of heavy and light, um, enough space to let the music breathe. I, I think we, we're, we're pretty big on trying to have that balance. Mm-hmm. And have you guys done like any studying into like other various genres and stuff and more like terms? Like you use the word through compose, which makes me think like very much classical composition. Um, yeah, anything like that? I would say only sparingly. Um, it Again, it seems to be done informally. We do a lot of talking as a band about what we're listening to. And sometimes something will come along that like, for example, when I first heard Animals as Leaders, that to me was quite a big new category of stuff to be listening to. And that got me, I suppose, listening to sort of chord progressions and things I hadn't really exposed myself to. But we haven't yet gone into that realm of really technically studying this in terms of let's draw on the theory in any sort of methodical way. It seems to be quite ad hoc. And I, I've always enjoyed that because to me, music is like, discovering things always mm-hmm. whether it's listening or even just writing music I, I actually like the feeling of i've discovered something cool even though i know i haven't it's not a new idea it's probably well explained in theory somewhere but it actually feels much more enjoyable for me when i'm 
going through that process of discovering stuff for the first time. So I sort of quite like that. Absolutely. All right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I haven't heard a lot of instrumentals in death metal, but you have two on this record, Sweep of Days and Indelible. I think there's certainly a tradition in melodic death of there being one or two acoustic interlude type instrumentals on a lot of albums. I think that's quite common. I think it's less common to find a song like Sweep of Days, which is sort of five minutes and drums, bass, guitar, everything but vocals. And that was one of the reasons we wanted to write Sweep of Days was for fun to do something a little bit different that would challenge us. And, you know, there's probably a handful of them, but you're definitely correct. If you pick up your average melodic or progressive death metal album, it probably won't be super common to find that sort of instrumental. So again, these are the little things we tried to do on Coherence for us that were testing ourselves out in little different ways here and there that would keep it exciting for us rather than just putting out exactly the same thing every time. So for each of these instrumentals only being around like five minutes, they take you in like a lot of different directions. So how do you go about writing instrumentals over like songs with vocals? Like, is there a point while composing where you are like, oh yeah, this conveys all we need it to without words? Yeah, so this was what was interesting for me was normally our method is we do vocals at the end, um, always. So we'll spend say three years writing the music for the album and then we'll spend six months putting vocals on top of the songs um, and that comes last and that really gives shape to the songs. So often our method has been when we're writing a song we'll be like we know that that section there will be bolstered by vocals. So when it came time to do this album and we were recording Sweep of Days we, I realised okay this is the first time that we really have to make every section of this song um, maintain the listener's interest because there will not be vocals on this. So we had to go back to that song and put a couple of additional musical ideas into it, um, additional solo, um, a little bit more strings or synth, just to keep it, I think, flowing in a way that would keep you engaged. So that was interesting, because I think it's always been the case that we can add additional flourishes with vocals that really helps do that. Whereas with Sweep of Days, that wasn't possible. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, like, from my own perspective, like, I tend to write lyrics first and then try and, like, map stuff around the emotions, but it, it I know it's not very common. It, it's more the other way around where you have the music mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, what fits here? Um, yeah, I think the method of doing lyrics first is actually quite a cool one, and I think it works really well in some genres. Like, I can imagine a singer-songwriter or your average kind of, you know, pop rock song, maybe it works really well because you've got a story to tell and an emotion that you're trying to express and you pick up your guitar, you've maybe written your thoughts down on paper already and you start feeling it with the music. I think with our, it, with our genre, it, because the music it has to be so methodically put together, um, it takes so long to come up with those ideas and then put them into songs that, you know, it might take six months, it might take a year to write a song sometimes. So the idea of having lyrics shaping that doesn't, hasn't, hasn't really been how we've worked, it's always been the other way. But I can see that that's probably a genre thing as well, and it might work quite well for other genres. So the Australian metal community seems to have gained a lot of global traction lately with bands like Bellacore and like Neo Bliviscaris and Caligula's Horse. Uh, can you see any trends or circumstances that may have led to all of these amazing heavy musicians uh, popping up in the world's eye over the last decade or so? I think Australia's 
it's very interesting because we have, a, I would say, a very wide range of, you know, you know how some countries might develop a sound or people say that's, they specialize in that particular sort of metal. I'm not really seeing that in Australia. I think what we might specialize in is just producing a pretty reasonable number of good bands from a quite a wide range of um, metal uh, subgenres. So the bands you listed are three or four of the ones obviously we know. And then there's, um, there's heaps of others, you know, Voyager, King Parrot, there's been Psychroptic, um, Parkway Drive. There's just a lot of bands and, and some are very, very heavy. Some are quite commercial, um, you know, new metal. Some are really technical. Um, certainly the prog, I'd say there's a pretty strong prog scene developing. Um, Pliny is another one. Mm-hmm. So I would say there's five or six Australian bands, Sleep Makes Waves, that are doing quite well and they're in that prog space. Um, and we're kind of a little bit in that space, but not fully. We're, we'd still say we're a melodic death metal band. So Australia just seems to be churning out quite a good number of uh, bands that are doing great stuff at the moment. Yeah, and I find like all the ones that you hear of sort of on an international level, they're all pretty diverse. Like it, it's not like there's one sort of thing that's coming out of Australia. Like I, I can't really... I can't really name two bands that I know of from Australia that sound uh, like any way similar to each other. Yeah, and we've seen the same thing when we play live where the, the process of putting together a bill of four or five bands can be quite hard if you're, tr- if you're hoping for them all to be like you are uh, as a band. And it, often when you go to a gig, there's just this re- really big diversity of, wow, there's a bit of everything here uh, because of that, I think. So it's probably a good thing. It, it keeps it interesting probably in the scene. Um, but I think it's... Another one is 12 Foot Ninja. Like, they've released an album similar time to us this year. So there's just a lot of good stuff coming out in Australia. That's really interesting because, like, really over just the past decade, I've I've seen a lot of Australia here in Canada and those bands on the rise. So it, it's it's really interesting to see that sort of come to a global perspective do you have any that that have sort of stuck with you as favorites recently or any any ones that have surprised you at all oh the well i was pretty into voyager for a while um i listened to them a lot uh more recently it's been caligula's horse like i think Mm -hmm. i was in like the top 0.5 percent of uh listeners on spotify just with rise radiant alone like that year so i think i jammed that almost every day for a good yeah. three months so <laughs> yeah I, I was i i loved voyage's second album um that when i first heard that it's going back 10 years i listened to that heaps um and i've listened to a little bit of caligula's horse but probably not quite as much i need to do a bit more check out a bit more of their stuff well what was it like working with jens bogren uh who has done the mixing on some of the largest prog metal artists today well we would have loved to be able to go and work with him physically. Obviously, that has never been possible. We've worked with him twice, um, of Breath and Bone and Coherence, and both times, obviously, we send him files, and then we begin an arduous process of back and forth mm-hmm. on the mixing. He's very... Obviously, he knows his stuff incredibly well. So the, when we, what we always notice with Jens is the, the drums come up really, really well. He does a great job with getting a nice balance of full, thick, fat drums but still natural sounding drums um he does a great job with vocals we've always liked how he works with the the growled vocal style and brings that out into kind of a bit more depth we worried this time we might have upset him a little bit i don't think we did but we probably had 
I think it got to mix G, which is more than we've ever got, like in terms of back and forth. And we sent sort of 400 mixed notes, more than 400 mixed notes to him over a period of a few weeks. And by the end of it, I'm sure he was quite keen to see the album be completed. Um, but he's awesome. And the mixed notes were really just us kind of wanting minor adjustments in the volume of a particular lead or harmony or things like that. Um, but he's a real professional, worked really hard on the album and um, really, we're really happy with how it sounds. Yeah, it certainly feels like like Vessels by far was like it it wasn't a bad mix at all, but this feels like a step up from that. Like it, it just it, the mix on this album just makes it sound ginormous. Vessels was a mix that we worked with a guy called Julian on that one and we Julian Renzo and we were keen to get as much of an organic sound as possible, so really kind of spacious um you know, because we were responding to a Breath and Bone at that point. We, Breath and Bone had quite a polished commercial sound and we wanted just a bit of a different mood on Vessels. Um, and then again, in response to that, for this album, we thought, let's go for a mix that's sort of heavy, um, lots of clarity. We knew Jens could do that really well for us. So it's always different every time when a combination of what your experience has been on your previous albums, but also what you feel the music needs as well. So back to that on on vessels as well like that classical guitar uh how did you sort of how do you sort of pick and choose what exactly like exactly what sounds you want in a particular section look often it's trial and error i mean we try our best to get as much locked in as possible before we go into the studio but then we'll, we know that that's bound to change so it, sometimes it'll be the audio engineer or the person we're working with will actually say, look, I think this would be, would be worth trying on a different instrument. But um, I would say 90% of what we do, we've worked out before we go in. Um, and we tend to stick to certain instruments, like with acoustics, for example, we know that we've dabbled in nylon string before, but we've more recently stuck to steel string acoustics. Um, I think you'd have to go back to our first album, possibly to find much nylon string. Um, but yeah, so I really love the acoustic. I'd probably like to have even more acoustics in our albums, mm-hmm. in our music, so I'll keep pushing for that. It is awesome when you have like a good audio engineer that has like an ear for, for that and picking out particular sounds and what might work best in, in those scenarios. Exactly, and and we worked with Troy McCosco this time for, for the first time, um, but we found him to be incredibly good at a whole bunch of stuff. So, you know, he was... With gear and with setting up things to make them work and setting up quickly, we, we were always able to turn up and just start working. He troubleshot anything that was wrong really quickly. Um, he, he knew the gear side of things fantastically well, um, and he put some really good ideas into things as well on occasion when we needed ideas, especially around sounds, like you say, so it makes a big difference. Can you think of any examples of, of what he did? Well, there's a couple in... Um, the third single we released, Valence, recently, there's a couple of sounds in that that he added himself by adapting, basically taking guitar feedback that was recorded and manipulating it and putting it in in a way that added atmosphere. So I think if you listen to, it's pretty early on in the first sort of 40 seconds, um, once things get heavy, there's this sound that you'll hear in the left ear before the leads come in that was all him. Um, but often it was, especially around vocals as well, like there was a day when we were recording um, some of the spoken words, sort of narrator passages on the album, and we turned up at the at the recording studio and he'd, he'd gone and found some sort of a pipe and he'd put a microphone inside of a pipe 
and attached that to the mic stand and you know that really get added to the sound and then of course we added some more effects as well but he's quite creative in looking at what's available combining things in a way you wouldn't have thought of to get sounds that actually work really well that seems almost like uh like folly work <laughs> it was i think it was like that and he's really good like that so we had never seen that done before and it was just fun it was good fun to work with him so that narration that also goes throughout is is this like somewhat of a concept album like is there like a a theme or something that goes across i know it wasn't mentioned in the mm -hmm. like the press release but uh with that constantly popping up uh yeah i think you're correct so vessels we saw as a concept album that really was a linear narrative story and we knew that we couldn't change the song orders at all. Once we'd written those songs, um, if you got to the studio and you wanted to move track five to track two because it sounded amazing, we couldn't do that because Vessels told a story that you couldn't adjust the, the, the order. With So we wanted to avoid that this time. We were, we were keen to have a concept that was a touch more flexible and would allow us to do that. So we do think of um, Coherence as a concept album, but not a linear concept album. And so the first track sort of sets the scene, introduces us to the the mountain, the locus where the stories are based. Um, and in some ways, the mountain is a character in the album where it's quite a big presence. And then the, all the rest of the tracks except the last song are basically exploring different people's lives, different stories that have happened on that mountain. Um, and there's no real connection between those people. They're just um, different sort of perspectives on the human mind and human experience and then the last song probably did need to remain in that position because it sort of ties the story together it um, makes a couple of connections between all the other stories that have happened on the album and closes the loop I guess so um, yeah it's a concept album loosely with exploring some ideas in particular that we wanted to look at but a bit less linear this time all right what were did you draw on anything specific for like the stories of the individual people um, look, partly, I think, as a... So George and I tend to be the people that write the lyrics and we've been doing lots of reading over the past five years and talking about different things. And I think the album explores... It's probably more about the human mind and looking internally than our previous albums. So you'll notice that each song sort of deals with someone who is striving to get to somewhere, striving to find something, reaching for meaning, um, or resisting something that maybe they're afraid of um greed is explored so there's sort of a lot of that sort of sense of what do we do with our own mind and with our lives that might cause us suffering or we think it'll give us meaning but maybe it won't um those are some of the themes that are explored in those stories that are consistent across them and they're sort of fairly universal ideas i guess that we were keen to write about all right well uh, last sort of thing we have here are di our Discord Patreon questions. So uh, this is where uh, our patrons get access to a VIP channel in our Discord server, and uh, we reach out to them and see if there's any questions they want to ask bands. Yeah, cool. All right, so Gabriel asks, uh, what are some bands slash artists slash albums that have influenced each band member that might not necessarily be expected? Well, there's a heap I can talk about that are not metal. Um, you know, maybe people obviously like to think about the metal bands that have inspired us, but um, George 
and I love a lot of sort of 80s, 60s, 70s and 80s stuff that is, um, you know, quite out there. Like I listen to Mike Oldfield a lot, so Tubular Bells. Um, and that's like, you know, 30 to 40 minutes of... It's very similar to our music where it's, it's very little repetition. It goes in all sorts of directions. Um, I really love that and I've, I've always been inspired by Mike Oldfield. Um, I also was very inspired by the Beach Boys um, growing up because of the vocal harmonies and I sort of would list there, lie there listening to all the different sort of harmonies they were doing vocally. Um, that's, a, that's a very surprising one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously the themes, we haven't carried the themes of beaches and sun into our music, no. but we've carried maybe the vocal, the um, melodic, some of the melodic sensibilities of, of their music. Um, Queen is huge. George and I love to talk about you know, Queen, and I think Bohemian Rhapsody is one of the best songs. I would say pretty much the best song ever written, I think. Mm. Um, and then w- the band also, like John is hugely into um, trance and EDM. He loves like, you know, it's t- I don't really get into it, but John loves that sort of really melodic electronic music. Um, and then George will listen to some really heavy stuff that I, I won't go for. I think he, he listens to Cannibal Corpse occasionally, ah. which is just too too heavy for me. But basically, yeah, I think there's a whole range of... You know, the Beatles, you could go a long way into talking about how good their stuff is and how many ideas you can take from that. So, yeah, very wide range, um, both within and outside of metal. Awesome. Yeah, that last... Like, George listening to heavier music than you, it sort of reminds me of, like, the dynamic between uh, me and my uh, uh, my once co-host. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I sort of introduced her more into the prog metal world, and then she just, like, took that and ran, and now she listens to, like, Necrogoblicon and, like, all these oh, wow. crazy bands. And <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. You gave her the, the gateway drug, and yes. she went with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, that's what we have for now. Thank you so for, for coming on just so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. No, thank you. Appreciate the time. And thanks for sort of being keen to talk about the, the music. Absolutely. We will have to catch up with you later when your next release comes out. That'd be awesome. Let's hope it's not another five years. We would like to thank you so much for listening to this edition of Spotlight. If you enjoyed the episode, you can find more of us on our Discord community or on Facebook and Instagram, and join our Patreon for some special benefits, like being able to ask artists questions like you heard in this episode. All of these links are in this episode's description. If you would like to show your appreciation for my late co-host Chelsea, please consider donating to the Canadian Cancer Society at cancer.ca. I'm sure she would have appreciated it. Join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of prog rock. Destin and Drew will be back with another episode on the 15th. See you on Discord. Thanks. Thanks.